especially in this day and age with all the noise that's out there, to make any kind of impact. You, you do need to be saying something a bit different, a bit exciting. So, you know, it, it's, they're all subjective terms, aren't they? And the thing that interests me is the fact that every single one of us, every single one, those of us who are on camera, those watching and listening, have these kinds of ideas. The, the really risky, exciting ones, the ones where we go, could I really say that? That's where I like to play. Welcome to the Connected Leadership Podcast, hosted by Andy Lapata, the show where Andy and his guests explore the many ways in which relationships impact business decisions, make leaders' jobs easier, and help you to progress your career. Welcome to the Connected Leadership Podcast. I'm Andy Lapata. Thank you very much for joining me. This will be our last Monday show of 2021, and we're going to take a break now uh, through to the beginning of February. So I left you with a really engaging and interesting conversation that I hope you'll enjoy and that will keep you thinking and engaged with this topic over the next couple of months while you wait for my return. My two guests today are people who I have known for many years. They were, as a number of guests recently, among the first names that I wrote down when I started planning this podcast over a year ago. It's just taken a while to get the diaries together. They are both experts in the field of thought leadership, or in one of my guests' uh, terms, thoughtful leadership. It's a phrase that has been bandied around a lot over recent years. And in fact, that's something that that Mindy talks about. Uh, But it's a really important one for us to think about uh, as connected leaders, getting our ideas out there, leading the debate, uh, creating a presence that people want to engage with. And both my guests, Daniel Priestley and Mindy Gibbons-Klein, have done that brilliantly. They both own publishing houses. They're both very successful authors. They both help people get their voice out there. So they seem like the right people to have this conversation with. And I started that conversation by asking Mindy just what we mean by the term thought leadership. Okay, great. Thank you. Um, So (laughs) I started uh, noticing in 2007 that the term was becoming used, but very sort of randomly. And I wrote a book called 24 Karat Bold, and I started speaking on this topic. Um, I spoke for several of Brian's groups, if he's still watching. And um, I felt very strongly that you can't just use terms. I work with words. I've been a publisher and a book coach for nearly 20 years now. You can't just throw terms around. So I thought, where are the criteria? I couldn't find any. And so I created my own in the book. And 24 Karat Bold um, stated that thought leadership is having the courage to share exciting new original ideas widely. And, well, according to academia, being recognized by your peers and mentors And I began to think, well, actually, it's the market (laughs) who needs to recognize you. And so that became the foundation for my work in that area. And I think it gives a lot of people confidence when they have a definition. So I'm sure Dan agrees. And, you know, this is something that uh, people need. They can't just go about, you know, trying things and, you know, scattergun approach. It's nice to have some kind of uh, outline and metrics. 
I, I, I like that the fact that you've got the two elements there and I want to explore each of those. I'm going to come to Dan on the second element, which is the being recognised. And, and Mindy, you do differentiated between between your peers uh, and by the market and I, and I think that a lot of that might depend on what you're trying to achieve uh, as well um let, let's stick with you for the moment Mindy and, and look at that courage to share and, and the way you term that the courage to to share exciting new ideas uh, I think that takes a lot of the ego out of thought leadership in a sense because I think that there might be people who look at the term thought leadership and say well that's not me I'm not a thought leader you know who do I think I am or who do you think you are but this yeah. the courage to, to share exciting new ideas I think opens that up can you explain a little bit more about how you came up with that exciting new idea well that's not exactly how it was phrased when I began to research yeah. it back in 07 um but you know, I often say exciting, new, original, groundbreaking. It's, it's not necessary to be all of the above. Yeah. But I think, especially in this day and age, with all the noise that's out there, to make any kind of impact, you, you do need to be saying something a bit different, a bit exciting. So, you know, it, it's they're all subjective terms, aren't they? And the thing that interests me is the fact that every single one of us, every single one, those of us who are on camera, those watching and listening have these kinds of ideas, the, the really risky, exciting ones, the ones where we go, could I really say that? That's where I like to play because it's too noisy and crowded out there. It's, it's, it's too easy to get lost in the noise and it's getting worse, you know, with everybody being online the past few years. You know, I, I've, got, I've had to switch off loads of channels um, not this podcast channel, though. And <laughs> I've had, <laughs> I've had um, even more confidence around this idea that um, you know it's worth putting that extra effort in to craft that idea and package it up in a way that it, it, it will land and you know create the result you want. Otherwise, it's a waste of time and effort. I, I think you make a, a very good point about the noise uh, because. Social media has, has achieved both positive and negative. The positive is it gives everyone a platform. We, we hear a lot about the, the, the democratization of ideas. Uh, the other, uh, the negative aspect is the noise that creates and the ability to, to cut through that. Um, before I move on to Dan, uh, welcome to Kinga and also to Barbara, who, who have also tuned in. Uh, Kinga on LinkedIn, Barbara on Facebook. Uh, Rob Moores has just said um, on LinkedIn, for me, thought leadership is where mindset change begins. If we don't allow people the space, time and license to think differently and creatively um, with the permission to experiment and push boundaries, how can we expect the work uh, uh, the work and behaviour, I think that would be, um, to change? So so, so, Dan, I'm going to come to you, and, and you maybe want to pick up on what Rob's, Rob said there. But you developed a program known as KPI, or Key Person of Influence, which revolves around thought leadership to a huge uh, degree. That's how you position yourself uh, as a leader, as a key person of influence. What's the relationship that you see um, between leadership and influence and, and how can establishing that status affect a leader's position within their organisation and beyond? And I think that goes to what Mindy said about being recognised and is it by your peers, is it by the marketplace? Why is a leadership a leader using this? Yeah, so 
<clears throat> we talked about the noise in the marketplace. Um, in the last 10 years, something like 2 billion people have had access to um, very fast internet for the first time, uh, and an additional 2 billion people. So that's 2 billion people around the world who have a voice, which is a great thing, but it also creates a very noisy environment. Most of us grew up in a time where um, we were very influenced by geography. Essentially, we worked at places that were geographically close. Yeah. We were friends with people who were geographically close. We went to school geographically. Uh, you know, we educated ourselves in a geographically close environment. So geography played this kind of background um, limitation factor for, for most of what we heard or consumed. When you take away the um, barrier of geography, we essentially work in places that are ideologically close and we befriend people who have the same values, thoughts and beliefs that we align to. So we align across, you know, not geography, but we align across ideas now. And if you're not sharing ideas, you're not able to create an alignment. You're not able to recruit talented people who want to align to a vision. You're not able to um, get investors behind something that they agree with your ideas. Uh, you're not able to find a group of loyal, fanatical customers who want to go on a journey with you. So if you're not sharing those ideas, you're not laying down the foundations for people to get behind what you do. And it's effectively the default is to just get drowned out in the noise. So essentially, you know, you're left with the scraps after after that if you're not putting yourself out there. This idea of geographical isolation versus, uh, sorry, geographical um, engagement versus ideological engagement. Uh, this came up recently, and I'm not sure if it was a conversation we had when we were out together a couple of weeks ago or, or whether it's come up elsewhere, but this very much has led to, to the thought bubbles that we see so much blighting society to a large degree because uh, people are engaging more and more with people who think the same way as them, uh, using social networks to do it and not talking to their neighbours in the same way who may bring different ideas into, in, into their space. And that, you know, one of the things that I, I do talk about a lot and my guests raise as well uh, on this podcast is the importance of cognitive diversity. Uh, having different inputs to help you think better. So this, um, moving from a geographical neighbourhood to an ideological neighbourhood, is that blunting our ability to come up with cutting-edge new ideas? I'll throw that back to you, Dan. Yeah, it's definitely um, a complex problem. You know, essentially we, um, you know, you and I went to the rugby and we watched two people from, two teams from different geographies fight it out um, and we sat on the sidelines watching essentially people who had a geographical marker, Australia versus England. Um, and what we're now doing is we're sitting on the sidelines of these online debates where ideologies uh, slug it out and, and try and put, score points against each other. And we, you know, we're almost forced to choose certain um, ideologies because our ideological neighbourhood says that's the, you know, that's the right answer. Um, we've all had the experience, I think, of taking a position and then learning a little bit more over time and then almost taking a different position and changing our mind on a topic um, over over time. You know, people um, may have started out, you know, quite conservative on one idea and then opened, uh, you know, opened themselves up to it and become a bit more open or liberal on an idea. And the, and the opposite can happen. Sometimes people start very open on an idea and they then close in on a particular way of thinking uh, over time. So um, the issue is, is that 
<clears throat> you know, the internet is made up of ones and zeros. It's very polarizing and binary and it drives wedges into people. There's these bubbles that we end up in um, and we do have to consciously and make a decision to be open to new ideas, to defend people's right to share something um, and, and to say, I don't agree with you, but I really agree that we're having the conversation. I agree that you're putting your ideas out there for scrutiny and that we can discuss things. Um, and also, it's great to go looking for people who are sharing similar ideas, but geographically very, very differently. So you can see how those ideas come out to play in a different part of the world. Um, you know, it's a, the rules aren't really set in the times that we're living in. It's it's such a, you know, we're all getting used to this idea of um, uh, of of this kind of internet digital landscape that we find ourselves in that has much more influence on us than the geographical landscape. Well, it's interesting when I set out to write a book on vulnerability. One of the key things I did was talk to people all over the world, and I made sure that I interviewed people from all different cultures to understand, you know, would what I say, you know, from an ex a lived experience in the UK, albeit I've travelled a lot, um, still resonate in Asia, in Russia, in India, uh, in America, and so forth. Um, so I think it is really important to understand how these things land. Mindy, I want to pick up on something Dan said there. I still, there's something I still want to come back to, but I just want to carry on this conversation for a bit. I want to pick up on on something Dan said there, and that was um, th this point about the ability to change our minds. Now, if you take a thought leadership position and you stand out and say, I believe that we're doing this wrong, for example, and I think this is the right way of doing things, and then people engage you in debate and discussion about that and they convince you otherwise, how does a thought leader change tack if they need to? Great question. And uh, before I answer that, I just would like to acknowledge the fact that in 24 Karat Bold, I said, you want to be bold and opinionated yet respectful. And it, I think it's that last element which has been forgotten by some people, some, <laughs> I'll be diplomatic. <laughs> uh, A lot of, you know, yeah. What I was aiming to do way back then, 14, 15 years ago, was to get certain people to speak up because, you know, there are a lot of people on the sidelines, which is great if you're at a rugby match, but not so great if you're trying to get your, your voice heard and your ideas followed. So the interesting thing was, um, you know, it swung the other way. The pendulum has created this boldness possibly not with all the respect that it deserves. So to answer that question, you know, the, the echo chamber or thought bubble, as you call it, can be a great place to uh, reinforce your ideas, to find these like-minded people, to, um, you know, share in, in a safe space where you know that you're not going to be attacked. And in fact, I, I actually think it is worth seeking that out and it's called finding your tribe. Um, as long as it's done in a way that acknowledges you don't have all the answers and, and the ideas you have today may morph into something else. They, they will evolve. That, that's how things happen. But not to forget about the fact that you do want to have that safe space. And let's face it, we like spending time with and building professional relationships with people who we see eye to eye with. 
you know, we, I, I don't like conflict. I don't know how many of our listeners like conflict. I don't like debate. And when I put an idea out there, even what I'm saying right now, I'm not saying I'm right and you're wrong. And this is what thoughtful leadership is, and I know we'll get to that. It's about putting that extra thought and attention and care into how you say things and doing it respectfully. Well, well, on that, um, Rob Moores has said on LinkedIn, respectful, you're absolutely spot on, Mindy. So you have no conflict there. He said, he said well said. But, but what about, <clears throat> I just want to push back a little bit um, or, or go back to a little bit this idea of uh, you, you've actually taken a stand on something. You've said, actually, I think this is the way forward and I want to take the lead on this. And then people push back and they have a strong case. Um, I think a thought leader, a strong leader of any kind, and this comes to, to how I see connected and vulnerable leadership, should be able to say, I got it wrong. And, and there's a chapter oh, yeah. in just a chapter in just ask, you know, do we allow our politicians to get things wrong? Because I think that there's a cultural issue there. How would you handle that? How would you handle a U-turn as a thought leader? Are you still asking yeah. me? Yeah. Okay. So you know, I, I talk about this in the Thoughtful Leader book and podcast as well. It it is about making sure that you take ownership for your own ideas, how you put them across. It, it's about sh you know, reflecting and then showing your uh, audience, your market, the other person, how you've reflected. And it's about taking care, as I say, about how you say things. I have said many times I got it wrong. My TED Talk, which has nearly a million views, is all about how I got something wrong. It's had a lot of great responses. I've had a few <laughs> critics. Um, but, you know, I stand by what I said, how I said it, how I put that talk together, how I couldn't eat or sleep for three weeks leading up to it, because it was that important to me. Yeah. I, I really aim never to be disrespectful online, offline, in relationships. That, that's paramount for me. That is one of my top values. And when I get it wrong, I do say. <laughs> Daniel and I have had some conversations in the past, and probably you and I, Andy, as well, yeah. where... I've said, hey, mea culpa, you know, let, let's fix this, because that's just my MO. I, I, I have to say, I, I saw your TED talk a few years ago, and I had already known you for a long time, and it shifted my uh, perception of you it, it, to the better, and it was already good. Um, but it's a very powerful TED Talk, and I, I recommend people check it out. I know Kinga, I don't know if Kinga has access to the link and can put it into the comments on LinkedIn. Um, Rob has said, Celeste Headley says it perfectly in her TED Talk. Sometimes I've spoken to people that I disagree with deeply on a personal level, but that doesn't mean we can't still have a great conversation. Respect. Uh, and just to add to that, if you're on LinkedIn or Facebook, have a look at um, the quote I put up today from the podcast last week, or this week's podcast, last week's um, interview with Linda Shaw, Dr. Linda Shaw, um, where she said, you may not like someone, but you can still respect them as a human being. Uh, and I added in a, a quote that I heard recently from Tupac, uh, which was, um, I, I may not be your friend anymore, but that doesn't make me your enemy. Um, I still want you to eat, just not at my table, which I really, I really like that one. Um, so all of these things, it's just about mutual respect. And I think that understanding that gives us the freedom to speak more openly. Um, Kinga has added to what Mindy has said, a thoughtful leader for me 
is someone who is able to take all, all perspectives into view and take a listener through that thought process. That's how respect comes through for me. So some really good inputs there. Andy's new book, Just Ask, Why Seeking Support is Your Greatest Strength, is out now. Looking at the importance of asking for help and admitting vulnerability, it is an essential read in challenging times. Order your copy from Amazon and all good book retailers now, or visit andylapata.com forward slash just ask. Dan, I want to um, come down from the theoretical plane a little bit here, because I think this is really interesting stuff, but I want people to have some really practical takeaways they can use from this podcast as well as thought-provoking content. I think we're in the thought-provoking content phase at the moment. Um, <clears throat> my, 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 my listeners generally, and it will, will be a mix, uh, my listeners generally will be aspiring leaders uh, or they will be leaders in larger organisations. Uh, and as a result, they are almost all time poor. They have a lot going on. So a couple of questions around this. Are they doing this for themselves or are they doing it for, in their role in the business? And I guess this goes to Mindy's comment earlier that I wanted to come back to about are you being recognised by your peers or the marketplace? Um, and how important is this when you've got a business to run day to day? How, you know, why would you prioritise this? So I want to be a bit provocative and say that None of us are time poor or time rich. Time is the great leveller. We all have 24 hours a day. We all get the exact same amount of time. We're not equal on very many things, um, but we're certainly equal on the amount of time that we have. The, the issue is about how do we maximise the value of our time um, and how do we you know, make sure that we're moving towards the highest value and the highest expression uh, of time, getting the most done in as quick as possible, um, being highly effective leaders, so, you know, when you have the opportunity to spend one hour producing a digital asset that will be consumed by a thousand people, that's a huge amount of leverage. And that leverage is a great use of time. If I can talk, sit down and talk to someone one to one, or I can create a podcast or I can create an article, there's going to be more value and more leverage in doing something that can be consumed by more people, will have a wider impact. If I want to hire talented people, if I want to uh, access great customers. Uh, you know, the research points towards, uh, in particular, Professor Robin Dunbar talks about how we come to get to know, like, and trust people. Um, Google does research on how we buy things and how we actually come to feel safe to buy. And all of it involves a learning process. All of it in involves getting to know something um, and spending time with something. So the fastest and most effective way to do that is through digital asset creation, putting your ideas out there, putting stuff online. Um, you know, being out there. So um, if we look at the greatest leaders in entrepreneurship and business, you know, people like Tim Cook leading Apple, uh, people like uh, Elon Musk and Tesla, uh, you know, we're looking at people who put their ideas right out there. They put them straight out into the marketplace without, without any, you know, hesitation. And if they've got the opportunity to put those ideas in front of an audience, they go for it. So that's, that's because they understand the value of, of leverage and the value of that time. So, um, you know, I'm a father of three young kids. Uh, I've, you know, I've got seven companies in the group at the moment. Um, got a team of close to 100 people across the group. Uh, you know, my highest priority is doing things like this, where we, ha where we have conversations and we get ideas in the market. 
Uh, just just a, a, a quick question to pick up on your, your role models there. Uh, Elon Musk uh, has, has done some brilliant stuff through through social. Um, he's also perhaps taken a few steps that are, are not to be recommended uh, in terms of things he's tweeted. And now I believe his tweets have to be approved uh, by, by uh, Tesla board or, or someone before they go out because of their impact on the share price. Can we just look at that that risk element of it when you're putting out ideas out there into a, pub, a public sphere when you particularly if you're not the ceo of but you're a leader in uh, a well-known brand how do you get that balance right dan well it's best to not call someone you've never met a pedophile yeah, that's probably yeah. that um, did that was in my mind that that particular i, I don't think he was showering himself in glory on <laughs> no. that particular occasion uh I, th- I think most people have more of a filter than Elon. Elon has, has confessed that he's um, not great at filtering his ideas. Uh, I think it's important when you're building confidence as a thought leader that you stay in your lane, right? Stick to something you know, stick to something that you're confident in. Um, one of the greatest ways you can reduce stress in your life is to narrow the topics that you have a strong opinion on, right? So pick some topics that you do have an opinion about um, it might be very narrow topics. It might be how to hire talented people in manufacturing, right? It could be, you know, that little narrow thing could be your thing and you can talk confidently about that and you know a lot about that. Don't get lured into all the topical debates. You know, stay away from the hot topics. Stay away from bre- Brexit. Stay away from the pandemic. Stay away from politics. Stay away from all the woke stuff that gets you in, in hot water. Right, and stick to the thing that you're, you're very confident about, and that um, you know that you can add value to the conversation, and ignore the rest. And that's a great way to to build confidence. When you become a global icon like Elon, you're constantly going to be dragged into topics that are not your wheelhouse. And if you're the richest person on the planet, you're going to feel the confidence, the background confidence, to just comment on every damn thing that comes along. So the mo- most of us aren't dealing with um, the background confidence of being worth 300 billion yeah. <laughs> so we can uh, we can just stick to our lane so so Mindy people starting out decided do I, I I want to do this whether it's for you know recognition within my organization uh, whether it's for recognition within my marketplace whatever it might be um, how do how do they get started you know I want to be a thought or thoughtful leader how do they get started doing that? Okay, great question. And I must acknowledge uh, what Daniel said, absolutely right about getting that scope right. You know, not trying to boil the ocean, as they say. It's impossible, right? Just imagine. And having that niche or niche, (laughs) uh, you you have a chance. You know, when you go too broad, forget it. (laughs) You're not going to be seen and you're not going to have impact. So that's absolutely correct. Um, I will pick up on the word woke because um, hashtag woke and proud. Um, I, I think yeah, we could talk for an hour on that, but we won't. Um, having created the liberal entrepreneur, you know, I've, I've got a very serious mission. And part of that involves um, not using words like woke, but we'll take that offline. Um, so the... Should have stayed clear on that one, Dan. We use words intentionally or unintentionally. Yeah. That's what we do as human beings. So to, to answer your question now, where to get started. If, if I were giving someone advice, and I do give a lot of advice uh, to entrepreneurs, corporate, students, 
don't start with the thought, I want to be a thought leader. That, that's the wrong place to start. So thought leadership is the effect. Thought leadership is, is the result um, or the windfall of doing all, all the things right. You know, to think about what's important to you. What, like, you know, one of us has said, you know, what change do we want to see in society? Where, where do we see a, an opportunity to create impact about something that matters, to leave a legacy? These are all things that come up when I do surveys on LinkedIn. Every time the word legacy comes up, more than profit or you know, building a business, and certainly not I want to be a thought leader. It's a bit over here in the UK. We say it's a bit naff to say that. So that, right, that's not the goal. It, it will happen. You will be recognized. But the the key areas are first of all, you know, what is that passion project? What is that that idea that you feel bubbling away inside? Yes, you might be scared. Yes, you might not have the courage, like I said before, but. You, it is important to you, and you can see, you might not know how, but you can see it getting out there and touching people's lives and changing people's lives. That's where you start. And, and then to build that out, to decide what reach do you want, what engagement do you need, and really being willing to work through that thoughtfully. One of the, speaking about the time that we all have, you know, I'm a big believer in less is more, except where more is more. But and Rob Moore is definitely more. But <laughs> Rob Rob Moore has posted more. Uh, <laughs> but the the key thing is is not to just scatter gun, as I said before, to be intentional, to be precise, to take the time and effort. That's showing respect to your market. So even if you're no, I don't mean to say even if you're in a corporate role. And you're not running your own business. You are running your own business. You, you are a little piece of the business. And therefore, putting that thought in, doing less, but what you want to be doing is taking that time out to reflect. What is the difference you want to make? What, you know, And just work it and rework it and get feedback on that, but without showing your cards maybe until you've worked through it a bit. And then there's help. If you're an entrepreneur, you'll know that getting help in the form of delegation, outsourcing, you know, masterminds. There's so many different ways in which you can get help and you don't have to do it all yourself. But I believe each of us needs to do the thinking for ourselves. We cannot outsource our thinking. I, I completely agree with that. There's a lot I want to pick up on there, but I'm going to hone in on one thing in particular. Uh, and Rob Moores has posted another comment that, 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 links in with that before i read that john jj boys is is watching on linkedin says great conversation so thanks for joining us john um rob says the the, the thing about great leadership and therefore great thought leadership is that it's a personal manifest manifestation you're only a great leader if people who follow you feel that you are uh, and equally there still be there will still be many who feel that you're not great uh, and i think that your answer, Mindy, what ran through it for me was this needs to be your voice. It needs to be authentic. And authenticity is a word that comes up time and time and time uh, again. And there's a good reason for that, because I think we engage with authenticity. We engage when people really feel something. So I like the fact that your answer wasn't, well, step one is do this, step two is do this. Your answer was what do you want your voice to be in the world? What do you want your change uh, that you can make to be? So, Dan, 
how um, how can people find the courage to find their voice, um, and how do they find the right level of authenticity uh, when they're getting that voice out? There? So I think courage <clears throat> comes with familiarity that you do you do something over and over again, and you you build the courage to do it. If you you know if you're riding a motorcycle for the first time it's a biological response to not feel very confident because if you felt really confident doing things that you had never done before, you'd probably wind up as a pancake. Um, so the the idea is that we build familiarity in safer, safer environments and then we move to a slightly more vulnerable environment. So we might um, road test some ideas with some safe contacts. I have a terminology in my company which is called locking horns. Locking horns, we ask we ask each other, uh, can we have permission to lock horns on that idea? Um, so we actually just say, let's lock horns. Now, reindeer lock horns in order to strengthen each other. They're on the same team um, and they're they're taking opposing positions in order to get a stronger, um, you know, get, to gain strength. So one of the things I often do with my, my friends, my colleagues, um, is I say, let me lock horns with you on that idea or, or I've got an idea, I want you to lock horns with me on it, which is I want you to argue the toss with me. And it helps me to build confidence around around my ideas in a safe environment before I take them um, slightly slightly out there. Um, and as far as authenticity, it's it's a it's something I really struggle with in terms of um, I get the idea of authenticity and I think it's great on paper. The reality of being a leader is that on most days, if someone said uh, authentically, how do you feel? You might say. I feel like I don't want to be doing this right now. I've got other things I'd like to be doing. Um, I'm a bit exhausted by the number of things you've screwed up in the last month, um, and I feel like I've explained this 28 times. And uh, and actually, I've um, I've made enough money that I'd rather just be travelling this week and uh, and not not bothering with you know. <laughs> there's all sorts of things that might authentically pop into your head, um, and in many cases, you need to stick to the script. Uh, I, I personally, as a speaker. The amount of times that I've delivered the five P's and I've talked about, you know, the five P's in the book, Key Person of Influence. And, you know, authentically, I'm uh, there are days where I'm sick of talking about the five P's. I want to make up the sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth and tenth P, right, and sort of talk about some new stuff. But I know that what the uh, audience wants to hear is that particular topic. So part of being authentic is <clears throat> is is actually rising to the moment, delivering what people need to hear when I'm talking to my team and when I'm talking to my, um, you know, my, my, uh, an audience, I'm really tuning into what do they need to hear from me? What is the most important message I need to get across? And to me, that's more important to, um, you know, to, to the, the bigger picture. Authenticity is like my long-term vision. I, I've got to be authentic to what I want to see happen over the next 10 years, not authentic to, uh, which is inauthentic to what I might want to do today. Um, so it's a, tr it's a tricky topic. It's a really tricky one. You can still be authentic about what you're talking about. So when you do talk about the five Ps, you still believe in them. And that's the authenticity. Um, and if you didn't, then that's when you should stop talking about them. And that goes back to the, the U-turn question uh, earlier on. Uh, Mindy, what's your take on this? How important is authenticity to you? And where's the, where's the line for you in, in the same way that Dan expressed it? So um, rising to the moment, that's my favorite phrase that he just used because um, it's, it's in every moment. Authenticity is in every single moment, especially now that there's so much video. You know, we, 
We never before had so many eyes on us as we do now. And that can scare a lot of people. It, the, the potential is huge. And people can see through BS um, immediately. You know, I'm sure everybody listening and watching, you know, is nodding furiously. I won't for the camera's sake. But I, I really believe that you cannot be inauthentic and, and thrive. So one of the things, of course, a lot of my business is about helping people plan their writing strategy and their thought leadership strategy. In writing, you have a lot more time. You can, you can craft a message. You can edit it. You can look at it. You can get feedback. But when you're doing a video or a live speech, you, you've got to be in the moment and you've got to rise to the moment. So thanks for adding that phrase to my life, Dan. Um, the... Yeah. So yeah, that's my take on it. I, I think the the reason why I get the feedback I do um, in my business, online, after speeches, after videos and podcasts especially, is people get that. And and I don't know when I dropped it. I'm a little bit older than both of you guys. You know, it's you get to that point and you just think, I have to be myself and it's it's just so much easier. I think this this rise to the moment and the way you've described it there, Mindy, links in with Nigel Risner's "Be in the room," uh, and it's very much about being in the moment uh, and not worrying about all those other things that are going on that Dan Dan referenced in in his response. So you've you've talked there about you know responses to your speeches and your podcasts and so forth. You're both publishers, Dan. You you talk, talked about social media. So there, just in the, you know that short summary, we've got a range of different channels you can use to get your voice out there and be a thought leader. So can each of you just touch on that for a moment? You know, uh, how important are all these formal channels? Is it just get started on social media? Is it just talk to your colleagues and peers and start to get people engaged with your ideas? Can we make this as simple as possible for people to engage with? Uh, Mindy, I'll come to you first on that. And then Dan, uh, I'd appreciate your input as well. So several things. Um, if you have multiple channels, you're improving and increasing the chance that people can engage. Because if you only write and people don't read, <laughs> you're not reaching them. If you only do videos and somebody's not online or they don't like watching videos, you get the idea. So to to think about where you want to play, who you want to engage with, and you know, like we've discussed, th this is a global opportunity now. So, you know, but what, where do you want to play? And, and this is the area where I end up coaching clients quite a lot. They say, oh, well, you know, there's a big market. I say, stop right there. Where do you want to play? Because it's pointless going and, and going after a big market if, if it's not your flame, if, if that's not really what you want to be doing. There are enough people out there in the world who will be receptive to you and your message. And like I said before, the like-minded people just can be a nice, nicer experience for you. So my advice to people is just, just slow down, stop and think, you know, be wary of influential people, even the three of us. Be, don't just take what we're saying today and say, oh, I've got to do that because Mindy said that or Daniel said that. Just, just reflect and decide what is right for you. What is, what is your personal thoughtful leadership strategy? Because each of us can own that. That's that's my most important message right now. Yes, there's a lot of channels, but that, that's secondary. The, the first thing is 
where do you want to play? And um, believe it or not, we can all choose. One of the things that, that I often say to, to my uh, clients and, and groups that I speak to and work with is, you know, when people say, oh, I don't like Twitter, I don't like Instagram, I don't like LinkedIn, I say it doesn't matter what you like. If you know who you want to play with, you go and play where they're playing. So if your audience is on Instagram or TikTok, you know, I'm not on TikTok. I don't think my audience generally is. I'm not saying exclusively. Um, but if they were, guess what? I would just have to learn it and, and get to use it. So, Dan, I know the KPI program that, that, that you, you, you run, um, <clears throat> you, you talk about all these different channels. You have experts who talk about book publishing. You have experts who talk about social media and so forth. So how important is it to master each of those areas? Should everyone write a book? Everyone says they've got a book in them. Should everyone write it? Yeah, so I, I think everyone should certainly be writing long articles and blogs. Um, and, you know, there's a writing, there's something that happens when you write where you organise your thinking. You you know, you really have to start to order the way that you think and organise the way that you think into a structured way that really does actually make you smarter on your topic. When you write about a topic, you get smarter about the topic. You have to go and research it. You have to go and find examples that back up what you're thinking. You're having to put a flag in the ground. Um, maybe not everyone's ready to buy it, write a book, but everyone can do a 500 to 1,000 word article um, that puts some ideas into an organized, uh, you know, thoughtful way. Um, I think a couple of things are a good place to start. Number one, you want to really understand what are the ideas that you want to enroll people in? Is there a new way of thinking or a new behavior that you want to enroll people in? Um, and what is that? Like, what are you trying to enroll people into? Uh, you, you, just, you don't just want to confirm what everyone already knows. You want to enroll people into something. So you've got to be clear, what is it you're trying to enroll people into? Uh, you may want to think about the commercials. What am I trying to sell, right? Am I trying to sell a product? Am I trying to sell a service? Am I trying to uh, sell a particular solution to a particular buyer? What are the gaps in the person's thinking that I need to close in order for them to buy? So many of us have commercial in, imperative. We've got to make sales. We've got to have a business that's working. Um, so what what ideas or what content would be a very solid bridge for people to cross that would lead towards commercial success? Um, so that's a good place to start as well. And then thinking about, okay, if I've got to put some ideas out there and those ideas are going to enroll people into a new way of thinking and behaving and it's going to lead to a commercial outcome, um, and I'm going to make it fun and entertaining and engaging as well. Uh, so that's where we then try and, you know, perform the dance, perform the art form of creating some content that would actually do all of that, that would enroll people in new ways of thinking and get them to want to buy something. Uh, great stuff. I, I, I've got a couple of questions left, um, but before I ask those, um, John uh, Boys has asked, how do you prevent data input overload? Uh, there are so many ways that people can communicate with you. I find it challenging. Uh, Mindy. Um, well, in The Thoughtful Leader, <laughs> I talk about getting into your bubble and I talk about the power of the UN, um, as in unfollow, unsubscribe, unfriend if necessary, and unplug if absolutely necessary. So you, we don't have to be watching and listening, getting ourselves stressed and overwhelmed. A lot of people have forgotten <laughs> that there's an off switch. Um, so all joking aside, um, 
I, I really think it's it's a question of discipline. And some of us have had more experience or more training in that, and some have not. So, but there is there is really no shortcut. Um, and and for people who are getting stressed out and feeling overwhelmed, that's probably the most important place to start because you you cannot do any creative thinking. You cannot be thoughtful and come up with new and exciting, original, groundbreaking ideas. There, there they are. Um, if you if you're in that mind swirl, it, it's just not going to happen. And I think people know that. You must do whatever it takes to you know get out in nature, unplug. Yes, you know you have work to do, paperwork that. But if you really want to put your best work out there, you've you've got to become more zen. <laughs> get yourself you know clear the mind, and then you'll be more productive, and then you'll get everything done. So that's my best advice. That's great. Uh, Baiju Solanki, who I'm sure you, you probably both know, uh, taught me uh, an acronym, acronym that has been so powerful for me and I've shared it on and, and it's really impacted elsewhere. And that is NATO. So being not attached to the outcome. And, and so now we can add the UN to NATO. Uh, and, <laughs> and I think that's equally as powerful. Um, unplug, un unfriend, unsubscribe. Um, and, and you know, I've unsubscribed from something this morning, and you feel really guilty. No, just clear. You know, get rid of the noise if you're not engaging with it anyway. Um, uh, uh, John Boys said, "Great advice, thanks, Mindy." My motto is "Let it be easy," um, and no one ever said that about the UN and NATO before. <laughs> so we've able been able to reframe that. So look, this is a connected leadership podcast. Uh, We've talked a lot about thought and thoughtful leadership. I now want to finish by tying it back in to this idea of, of the impact of professional relationships. So how do relationships help you become a better thought leader and vice versa? How does your thought leadership help grow and develop and nurture your relationships? So, uh, Mindy, let me come to you first with that. How do your relationships help you become a better thought leader? So your relationships really are the only way in which you can develop your thought leadership. So people who you're connected to already, people who you connect with, feel that that empathy, sympathy, um, you know, like-mindedness, and new people. So to to you know, not to be too busy to widen your circle, to put yourself into new spaces, to you know, welcome introductions. I've got a very open. Um, uh, approach to my networking, as you know, Andy, and um, you know, it doesn't always result in in brilliant relationships, but sometimes it does. So to to really reinforce what you've got and to welcome new ones, and it's through conversations. Um, you know, be they like this. I I prefer talking. Some people prefer you know doing lots of typing <laughs> on blogs and threads. You know, that's not me. Um, but to engage in those conversations and and to be willing to share and to be willing to ask and be vulnerable like like we've been talking about because you we don't know it all and when we think we do we're doomed <laughs> that's what I think thank you and, and Dan you've, you talked about locking horns uh, and clearly that helps develop your thought leadership and that comes from your 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 strong relationships but what about the other way around how does um thought leadership help develop those relationships further? I mean, it's incredible when you start putting ideas into the marketplace, the people it attracts like a magnet 
uh, is, I mean, it constantly blows my mind. Uh, I have had, uh, I've had billionaires reach out to me and say, I read your book and can we get in touch? I've had that happen twice. Um, You know, I've had uh, professional athletes. I've had high ranking people in the military um, who have uh, have said, I'd love to have a conversation with you about some of the things that you've talked about. Uh, and <clears throat> it, it's just this incredible nature of the fact that an idea now has the ability to go whizzing around the world, picking up steam, finding people, connecting with people. You know, it's your, Mindy says this in, in her talks all the time, you know, it's your ambassador, it's your connector, it's your um, diplomat. It, you know, it's your, your content is out there m- meeting people, connecting with people, uh, and um, in many cases, just bringing untold opportunities back to you. you know, I can, I can think of prime examples where my content has brought me uh, investment. Um, it's brought me great customers. It's brought p- joint venture partnerships. Uh, it's brought great friends. Um, I actually, you know, th- through through a roundabout way, I guess I'm married to the person that I'm married to as a result of some of the stuff that you know that I've put out there and thought leadership and who that's connected with me, who's connected with me to my now wife. So, um, you know, if if you trace it all back, a, lo- a lot can be said for for where those relationships come from. And Mindy, can I just add? Um... <laughs> a lot of people may not know this, but when I first came out with 24 Karat Bold, um, I handed Daniel a copy and I, we didn't know each other that well. We knew we kind of knew each other. And it, it, it created a professional relationship that went on for five years. Yeah. And I'll always be grateful. that It was a bit scary approaching you, to be honest, Daniel. Um, <laughs> you know, it was just this big personality and presence. And, but I just thought we, we can connect. And I, I think if I hadn't, had that book and everything I'd put into it, I would not have had the confidence to have that discussion with you and say, you know, come on, can we collaborate? That's a very good point. It's something we haven't touched on. When you've got that that published work, it gives you that credibility, which gives you that confidence. You're the same person, but it's almost like a tangible proof that you're that person uh, that, that makes a big difference. Uh, we, we touched on this uh, at the beginning of our live stream, not on the podcast. So for the benefit of the listeners to the podcast and anyone who's joined the, the live stream a little bit later, uh, Mindy, you're hosting uh, a thought leadership conference online on Tuesday. So that's tomorrow if you're listening to the podcast on the day it comes out on Monday. Uh, and uh, I happen to be the MC for the event, but do you want to just give us another quick um, uh, one or two liner on the conference and, and where people can find Absolutely. it? Absolutely. Yeah. So um, I, I hope if people Google above and beyond 2021, they'll find it. Um, if, if Kinga hasn't found the link. She to has. It's in, it's in the comments on LinkedIn. Yeah. Right, super. It, it's a chance to really dedicate some time. It's going on the whole day. People will hop in and hop out. In fact, that's the platform. Uh, hop in. And, yeah, we hope they don't hop out. Um, <laughs> but, <you> know, <laughs> there's things going on where we're recording all of the talks so everybody who registers will get all the videos. So it, it's a chance to focus on your own thought leadership and thoughtful leadership. It's very rare that you have a whole day to, you know, reflect, to listen, to learn. The networking opportunities are phenomenal. We've had such 
great response that it gave me confidence to run it online again. So last year we wanted to have it anyway. Never mind, that was last year. <laughs> what we're doing on Tuesday is another fantastic jam-packed day full of nuggets, insights, and you know, I can't promise what it will what it will result in for any individual, but if they come along and are open to some of the things we've been talking about today, um, it, it could really create some magic. Thank you for allowing me to talk about it. Well, I'm looking forward to it. In case anyone's listening to this after publication and after the conference, it's Tuesday the 30th of November. Is that right? Uh, off the top of my head. So if people are listening to this afterwards and want to get the content, can they register in hindsight? Yes, we will make sure there's a link uh, and we'll be planning next year's. So Fantastic. <laughs> hopefully Fantastic. we'll be a hybrid. Great, great. Daniel and Mindy, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much to, to Dan and to Mindy. I thought it was a really interesting discussion, wide-ranging. Uh, it, it was interesting, for example, to go into the downsides uh, of putting your voice out there and that discussion. It, it was interesting how you know Daniel talked about what to avoid and Mindy picked up straight away on his use of the word woke, which, which just shows you how how dangerous it can be if you uh, if you don't focus exactly on what you want that message to be and who your audience is. But but I think a lot, as I said during the podcast, there was a lot there that's at a theoretical, um, thought provoking level, but also uh, I, I think a lot of practical advice that should be very helpful. And if you are listening to this on Monday, uh, then please come and join us tomorrow uh, for the AAB conference that Mindy's running and that I'm emceeing. Uh, and I'm sure details will be on my LinkedIn, they'll be on uh, Mindy's LinkedIn uh, and, and elsewhere. And we'll, we'll pop them in the show notes for you as well. So thanks again uh, to Dan and Mindy for joining me. Uh, thank you to you for joining me. As I said at the beginning, this is the final Monday show of the year. And uh, obviously, we'll be here on Thursday, back with Daniel and Mindy for our short episode. That will be the last regular Thursday show. After that, um, I, I'm going to drop the three questions as part of a separate show, just because of the amount of work that goes in to double up the podcast. Um, but we may well have occasional special episodes on a Thursday. Um, but we'll be back in February with regular Monday episodes. Of course, in the meantime, check out the back catalogue. There are uh, plenty of shows. Uh, if you have listened to every single one, my congratulations and, and my thanks go to you. But if you haven't, you can uh, warm yourselves over the winter months um, by still staying connected to the Connected Leadership podcast and to the content we put out over the last year or so. So have a great Christmas. A happy new year. And if I'm not if I don't see you on Thursday, if I don't see you tomorrow at the conference, I will see you in February. Thank you for listening to the Connected Leadership Podcast. If you found this valuable, please subscribe, tell your colleagues and friends, share on social media, and post a review on the podcast channel you use to listen to it. And of course, join us again soon for another interesting interview and great connected leadership tips.